0: In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM.
1: W-A-T-H-F-N's.
2: Wow, look at that sunshine just booming through the windows. 38 degrees outside, headed up to 71 today. We got a special edition today. Ohio University's president, Hugh Sherman, joins us live, and this is our first visit with him. Well, not my first visit, but our audience's first visit. Lots of exciting things going on at Ohio University, uh, always, and uh, you know, sometimes you hear about troubles here and there, and then you hear about good things here and there, And but golly, I'm so happy to be in Athens, Ohio. Hugh Sherman, good morning.
1: morning, David. Whoops, good let me turn
2: you. your mic on, let me turn your mic on. Okay, try it again. <laughs> good morning, David. you It's are. good to be with you. Let's you see, you're on uh, mic two, so I can turn mic three off. Okay one more time. Good morning. Good morning, David. Hey, it works. Good to be with you. Yes, sir. You know, um, I was thinking back historically, and uh, it's Harry Cruson. and Harry was a very close friend of mine, but Harry Crewson was the first of our presidents to start regularly appearing on this program. Did you know Harry? I did not. Oh, he was a great guy, and his wife as well. She taught my kids how to
3: swim. That's that's pretty special. Yeah, it, it
2: really is. Anyway, so, you know, uh, you, you it's been years since you've been on here because you were a dean and um, of, the, of the College of Business, right?
3: I was dean for 14 years.
2: And, um, and so, you know, it's been a long time since we've had you on. So I'm going to ask you some things that we may have covered back then, but it's worth repeating, I think. So, so tell me, where, where were you raised?
3: So I was raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, yeah. So I was born actually behind the old Memorial um, Football and Baseball Stadium. Well, I know
2: it well. My, so, my yeah. wife's from Columbia.
3: Oh, okay. In yeah. Maryland. Yeah.
2: And uh, worked in, uh,
3: on Charles Street in Baltimore. Yeah, I know Charles Street well. Of course.
2: Now, uh, your parents, um, what were their
3: backgrounds? Um, both parents were educated my mother was uh educated john hopkins and was a head psychiatric nurse for john hopkins wow and then my father was an executive in the shoe industry
2: Uh uh-huh and and both uh, principally involved there in the baltimore area right
3: yeah my you know being in the shoe industry was interesting because as you probably know the shoe industry was a big employer 40 years ago in the country and basically every manufacturing plant in the united states is closed down except for you know some specialty manufacturers like rocky boot
2: i I, i'm I'm i just turned around and glanced at your shoes (laughs) i i was wondering any chance you have a few pair left from those days
3: uh no no (laughs) (laughs) i was was back before yeah i just
2: thought it'd be interesting decades ago yeah so siblings
3: Brothers, sisters, anything like that? Yeah, I've got two wonderful sisters and a brother. And we have always been really close because, as I was mentioning, since my father was in the shoe business and the shoe industry was contracting, we ended up moving all over the East Coast and up to Canada mm-hmm. in our, as uh, the four of us were growing up. So the four of us have always been extremely close.
2: And, and remain so. Yes. And remain so. What um, um, What kind of careers did they pursue?
3: My sister is um, probably the most famous. She's a a geneticist, and she has a lab at the medical center at Emory. My brother is an executive with uh, Dell, and my sister is retired. She used to be involved in the insurance industry.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, as you were growing up, uh, did it become apparent early on what some of your interests uh, would turn out to be?
3: Um I would have never expected that I'd end up in higher education. Um, you know, but however, I would say that you know w- if you look back as we all do, um, i they, my undergraduate experience was actually at the University of Guelph in Canada, and it was a transformational experience i had I was taking economics and political science, and I had faculty members who I spent a lot of time with. I would go into their offices and argue with them, and they'd <laughs> give me books to read and <laughs> So, you know, that as I got older, I mean, I wanted to go back to that experience. So that's why, you know, I, I ended up back in higher education.
2: And, and the College of Business, um, you know, there are so many different aspects to business. And uh, I, I find myself good at some and bad at others. And, um, how, you know, but it's it's there's a wide range of requirements there. So how did this business scene pop for you
3: well I I mean my first jobs were in business so I got my um, undergraduate degree in Canada and I went to Northeastern for my MBA and then I went to work for a uh, international corporation which is now called swatch watch it's a today it's about a seven billion dollar Swiss company So it was really fun experience. I had the chance of a lifetime to travel all around the all around the world, and uh, so it was really exciting. And I started out in market research and ended up to be their vice president of marketing for the U.S. division.
2: Now I, I just did a silly thing, folks, which you couldn't see, which is uh, reached around to look at his wristwatch. And, so of uh, course I
3: have a Fitbit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Swatch
2: watch. But uh, I think I have one of those in my collection. I yeah, really do. Yeah.
3: It, it, it just transformed the company at that time. Yeah. yeah if, if you remember, it was one of the first fashion watches. So it came in all kinds of colors and bands. And it was relatively inexpensive. About 29 dollars and twenty nine ninety
2: nine. dollars 99 yeah, uh, Twice I've been given a, a Rolex by my employer. And um, they mean a lot to me, even though I, I never
3: wear them. You know, they're they're in a box. <laughs> yeah, a Rolex is really a piece of jewelry, oh, right? Mercy. Yeah.
2: Well, um, so you've mentioned some of your education. Uh, what 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 were some of the highlights? What 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 is um, a course or a, pr- a professor that you think back today and say, "Wow, I wish I could have more time."
3: Yeah, I I mean, as I was mentioning. I felt like the undergrad experience was the most transformational. And there was a African-American faculty member. His name was George Carter, and he taught political science. And he was the most fun I had with. He was a libertarian. Yeah. And so we w- we spent, you know, dinners and afternoons arguing <laughs> about politics. And he was the one who gave me, you know, dozens of books. And, and then, then when I tried to return the books, he would say, no, no, you give them to other people that would find them interesting. So he was he was the most impactful for me
2: so uh, at what point did you have early goals in your head that um,
3: you wanted to achieve i was i've always been a this is kind of embarrassing to admit but i mean if my mother was alive she detested this yes when i was a youngster i had a loose leaf binder and in the binder, I had goals for every year and what I wanted to do over my lifetime. So I would have goals about how many friends I wanted to make, how much I wanted to save, how many books I was going to read. No kidding. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sad. Do you so, still keep it? I I still keep a, a you know, a form certain, of it. you know? A, the only things I keep regular journals of now is exercise, oh. money, and books that I read. So yeah. I still do it to this day. Sure.
2: Well, um, so some assignments prior to Ohio University. Give us a little list, if you will.
3: Well, the last corporate job I had was vice president of marketing for Swatch Watch U.S., and that job, you know, required me to do an incredible amount of travel. I was, you know, working with major customers in the U.S., and I would have to make trips to, to, you know, the... uh, um, we had a major buying office. We moved most of the production to Southeast Asia, so we had a big operation in Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time there, and then our h- corporate headquarters was in Geneva. So I would have to go to Geneva. So that so tough, I was tough duty. It, tough, well, tough I duty. mean, it got it was really fun as a young person, but it gets tiring, mm. and so at a certain point, um, I really thought that I wanted something else out of life because you know it, it affected your social life too.
2: Put so a put a year to that
3: um it was probably by the time i got to be about 33 35 so i i'd achieved being a vice president before 30 which Mm -hmm. was my goal Mm -hmm. and uh at that point uh, there was i had a friend who was a unitarian minister and so he started talking to me about what it was that i really enjoyed and i talked about being a mentor to the people that worked for me and then he suggested that i consider teaching So I started doing some adjunct teaching at Penn State and Franklin and Marshall College, Mm -hmm. and I loved it. I just, it was incredible. So that helped me to decide that's what I wanted to do. So I made a plan of how I could, you know, kind of save up some money and prepare myself to go back to school and do a PhD.
2: You know, Ralph Izzard turned to me and said, uh, would you teach school journalism? And uh, I said, "I." I don't know," <laughs> he, he said. "Well, we'll try it." And um, I, so I started looking at textbooks. Couldn't find one that really suited me, so I ended up pretty much writing my own. And then the local copy shops would produce it, you know. So, 14 years I taught mass media management, primarily upper class and grad students, right? And then there was another course that when um, uh, Dick Link Mm -hmm. passed, uh, I took over, over, which was Entertainment PR. And uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I keep in touch with so many of those students yet, you know, and, and their achievements and how they've advanced in their careers. It's a very well, it just makes you feel
3: good. I agree, Dave. It's a. I think you're exactly right. It's, it's a different kind of fulfillment, right? When in, and in a, in just an enjoyment of, of what happens to our students. And especially if they keep those friendships and ties with us.
2: So, becoming the president of a high university, you had uh, what? 14 years here as dean.
3: Yeah. So I've been in Athens since 1995. 95. Yeah. So I, w- I came as an assistant. Uh, professor, so I started off, you know, brand new and, you know, went through the, the promotional track to become an associate and a professor. And during that time, I was actively involved with uh, Mark Weinberg at the Voinovich School. Of course. So we developed, you know, some, and I loved it. I mean, I, I really enjoyed working in the community and, and developing, um, we developed that whole economic development effort that the Voinovich School still does to this day. So that that was really fun, and um, and I eventually became the dean of the College of Business, um, and and we just developed a, a wonderful team. And if you know the story, um, you know, over that period of time, we've more than doubled the size of the college and and greatly improved the rankings. We've been listed consistently in the top thirty-five public business schools in the country.
2: Well, you know, bringing up something like that. It- I have recently been just amazed at how many news releases I receive saying, oh, you ranked this, oh, you ranked that. And, um, you know, and, and we're talking about high rankings in this area or that area or something else. And, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. And I'm so proud of the university. And, um, you know, but I've become an Athens nut. You know, I just love it here. And I can't think of any place I've lived in Honolulu. I've lived in Los Angeles, all sorts of places. I I can't think of any place I'd rather live than Athens, Ohio. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I agree with you, Dave. I... You know, it's funny, when my wife and I came, we were both living on the East Coast. So I was outside of Philly, my wife was in Boston. <clears throat> and when I brought her to Athens, I brought her at nighttime. So we stayed in Columbus, yeah. you know, and, and enjoyed the, we, I took her to the theater and dinner. And then- The um, Ohio
2: Theater, was yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. I saved that place. Yeah. With and, another guy. Really? Anyway, go ahead.
3: So <laughs> anyway, we were driving down to, I was gonna show her Athens. And so um, we left, you know, in the early evening. And so she fell asleep in the car. So she never saw, uh-huh. you know, the drive down to, uh-huh. to Athens. And, uh, and, you know, it was just the perfect university town. So, you know, it, she had some trepidation about going to a small town. But obviously, you know, we never look back. I mean, we Tell love this community, too.
2: Tell me a little bit about her background. I should have asked earlier.
3: So my wife Nikki was a um, worked for a major PR firm in Boston, and so she was responsible for putting on major events. So she did like charity fundraisers for the cancer society, or new openings of the opera or the theater, and she would put on the uh, Boston Pops, the July Fourth celebration in the Commons. So she had a. She had a wonderful career and an interesting life of meeting really interesting people.
2: And, and adjusting to, um, to, to Athens.
3: Yeah, yeah. But she grew up in a small town in upstate New York, okay. just like I did too. Um, and so those experiences came back to us when we moved to Athens. And, and we remembered what we love so much about a small community that, you know, you get to know everybody and everybody supports each other.
2: Well, let's get to the heart of the matter, and that is you are president of Ohio University. Um, this has been a very tenuous period for businesses and universities, this COVID thing. And um, then there's other things that also come into play. And um, I think all sorts of universities are watching very closely their operations. Um, But yet I keep hearing success stories. And, you know, sometimes bad news travels faster, um, is given more coverage than good news. You know what I mean? It's, um, I'd like you to take a moment and, and just talk about several topics. First of all, we hear economic woes, right? The university having economic woes. Well, when you look at it, it's not so bad. In fact, um, it looks like we're going to end up with a surplus this year. And I don't think that's happened in a long time. Um... Just talk about the general concept of budgeting and and um, finances.
3: Yeah, so um, so finances, of course, are really uh, closely tied to enrollment. <clears throat> so if we go back to 2017, the university hit its peak of enrollment. So we were approximately 38,000 students.
2: Say the, say the year again.
3: Uh, 2017 17 okay so that that 38,000 you know includes the Athens campus as well as the um, five regional campuses and the medical school so that was the height of what we did and then you know we we started to um, feel more competition from some of the other universities in the region I Mm -hmm. mean in the state as well as in the Midwest and you know, um, we also then had to face the the pandemic. So this fall, um, we have approximately 29,000 students. So that's a big adjustment that the university had to make. And I would suggest that that adjustment was made. Um, we, you know, we were clearly helped through the pandemic by the, the uh, Federal CARES Act that, you know, that helped universities Across the country to recover some of the money they lost in in tuition and room and board, um, so so I feel very good that we've we've turned a corner, we've made it through that. But as I was saying, the the finances are really linked closely to enrollments. So 2021 was our low point. We we had 3,150 um, freshmen that we enrolled in that f- in fall of 2021 if i got that right because what i think so no it's 20. i'm sorry it's 20. so 3150 was 20. so fall this past fall 2021 we went from 3150 to 3650. okay so that's an 18 percent increase in the freshman class mercy so that was a, an incredible turnaround yes And at this point in time of the year, so we are recruiting for the fall of 2022, right? So last fall, we had 3650. This fall, we are confident that we'll hit 4,000 students. And that's where we need to be. We need to get back to that 4,000 level of incoming freshmen and then have that same size class for the freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors so right now we're up about 3200 admits and we're up about you know more than 50 percent on our housing deposits so the four thousand is you know is is not even a stretch goal i mean it's i'm confident that the oil we'll hit that so that's why i'm saying we're you know we've we've turned it around because that that you know gives us the the model that we need and the number of students in the athens campus
2: now um the the so the, you know, the, the new incoming freshmen, uh, that number is growing. And um, now when you talk to your fellow presidents about the state, is this um, common for them as well, or is this something unique to Ohio University?
3: No, it's unique to Ohio University. No other school grew like we did. And several of the schools are still facing um, continual losses of their enrollments.
2: So, um, retention. Um, Once you get them on campus, um, there's always a concern about will they stay. And uh, that's true everywhere. It's not unique to Ohio University. But it seems like Ohio University has done a better job or can boast a little bit more about the fact that they do stay. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, Dave. uh, You know, so... What I suggest is that what the university is focused on right now, two most important. One is enrollment, and then secondly is um, continuing to improve the student success. So we measure student success by retention, and four-year and five-year graduation rates, Mm -hmm. and also placement of the students in the career path that they want to go into. So we have greatly increased our investment in those areas, so we have... If you remember, Ohio University was the first university that developed a Guarantee Plus program, I mean a Guarantee program. Mm -hmm. The Guarantee program was that a freshman would know the tuition that they were going to have to pay and the fees for the entire four years of their enrollment at Ohio University. So their tuition or fees could not be increased over those four years. So that's the guarantee. Quickly after we developed it, Um, the other universities realized that that was important and they all followed us. What we did last year and was to implement a guarantee plus. What the guarantee plus is is it's focused on student success. So a freshman who comes in in their first semester is assigned a career coach, an academic advisor, and a um, faculty advisor and those people stay with them for the four years so in the first semester the academic advisor meets with the student and lays out a four-year graduation plan Mm. so that they know exactly how to proceed and which classes they need to take when if they get off course like say maybe in the second year that they don't we don't wait for the student to come back to the academic advisor the academic advisor calls the student notifies them that they're off the path and we would like to meet with them so that we can get them on the path and then we can show them how they can you know take some of the the courses that they need so they can graduate within the four years the same thing happens with career so starting with the learning community that students take in the fall we start talking to them about thinking about what is the career path they want to take so the career advisor starts working with that student once the student is able to Identify the career path, then the career coach starts to put together a portfolio, helps the student to put together a portfolio of experiences, not just the knowledge from the classes, but also experiences that they can take so they can differentiate themselves to get the job that they want. So those experiences could be doing a research project for a faculty member, it could be doing service learning projects in the community, it can be, and of course, it includes internships
2: now that's that's one program and i've heard a great deal about it and and it just uh, makes sense and consequently so have a number of other universities adopted the same program uh or a similar th- thing
3: um i would suggest dave that that's absolutely true for the tuition guarantee yeah but it's not the guarantee plus okay i mean this is this is a, a different a different approach to helping stu- you know providing the support students the support for students that they need to be successful because we're not waiting for the student to come to us. We are intervening in a sense, you know, saying to the student, hey, you're off course, right? You you, you have missed one course. And so this is the path that you need to do to make sure that you can get graduated in four years in the same way that we start helping them to develop the experiences that, can help make a difference for them to get properly placed in the career.
2: There's there's some other programs, and I'm just going to name or read them off, and then you, you tell us, you know, what's cool about them, what's what needs to be improved, whatever. The Regional Promise Awards. Um. Now you have branch campuses, right?
3: Yeah. So one of the missions of Ohio University, as we all know, is you know because of where we're located, is to you know try to provide, become good partners and provide um, several different kinds of services to the Appalachian region. We do that through the five regional campuses that are located in the region. Mm-hmm. Um, so this you know th- there's there's certain things that I think we've done a great job with um one of the things that's happened though across the state for rural regional campuses and community colleges is there's been a significant fall off of enrollment and we have we have seen that also with our regional campuses why
2: why do you think that is
3: i'm not sure i, I think i think one of the things that we need to do is provide students who are in these communities a range of educational experiences that they can get Um, that you know so maybe doing a four-year degree is too much when they are already working and they might have family commitments so I think what we can do is do a better job of is showing them other options like here's some certifications that you can get here's some job training that you can get here's an associate degree that you can get so give them choices so it's not such a big jump to go for a four-year degree and then once they get excited and they see they can do it and they move to an associate's degree, we can help them to c- get a professional degree in healthcare or business or social work, you know, some or becoming a teacher. Um, so I think w- we have to provide a, a, a bigger continuum form. The Promise um, scholarship that we just announced, that's another way to try to help students t- to be able to afford to do a four-year degree so this is a test program we're hoping that we could expand it but the program as it is right today it offers any student who's on a regional campus um, who's got a 3.0 gpa um, and is pell eligible for some it doesn't have to be a lot but any amount of dollars from the federal government so it indicates a certain financial need if they have those two Uh, qualifications, 3.0, and they're Pell eligible, we will make sure that we provide them with a scholarship that covers all the other costs so that they can go get the four-year degree for free.
2: Now, are we talking about educational costs, or are we talking about um, uh, uh, your apartment or your housing costs? Uh, What are we talking
3: about? So most of these students are place bound, right? Because they're they are working, and many of them have family obligations. So, what this program does is it pays all tuition and fees.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, R one designation. Uh, I'm not sure I've heard this term. What? Um,
3: what? What's that one? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, Dave. So. The Carnegie Foundation ranks the top universities in the country. So we've got about forty-five hundred universities and colleges in the country. And what Carnegie does is they look at the top two hundred and eighty, and they then they rank those two hundred and eighty on the basis of the 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 competitive sponsored research that they do. Um, there's like three different measures that they use. It's the It's the sponsored research that they do, most of it coming from the federal government. It's also the number of PhD students that they graduate. And there's also a measure of um, support personnel, research support personnel. So they, they rank those 280 universities. Approximately 140 of them are designated as R2, which means that they are intensive research schools. And then they designate the top 140 as extensive research. They have, you know, they have the most PhD programs. They do the most sponsored research. And Ohio University is ranked as one of the top R1s.
2: Now, um, what are some goals? You know, first of all, it seems like the budget side, it, it, what issues there had been there have been largely resolved. Um, but, of course, we got to keep a tight eye on it to make sure it stays clean. So uh, what 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 new things would you like to bring to Ohio University?
3: Well, I, I, you know, I, I do think, you know, that we need to be focused on student success. So I want to, and I think we do an outstanding job w- about that. That's, that's what makes coming to Ohio University so special because we have this community feel, you know, that's, part of Athens and and we have this culture of supporting each other so I think that we could build on that and 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 literally have more clear uh, measures of, of student success and I think that will be it, it already is it's it's why we are able to increase the enrollment of the undergraduate students so so that's very important um,
2: you know, things are always changing, always changing. New majors that are identified, um, even even if you take the College of Business, which you were the dean for 14 years or so, uh, you're constantly trying to look to see, are we doing everything we're supposed to be doing?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate you asking that. So one one big change for Ohio University has been the move towards um, the professions, and also the move towards healthcare. Uh, many people don't realize. So as I was saying, we're roughly twenty nine thousand students today in the entire system. Mm-hmm. One third of the students are involved in healthcare today. So that's that's startling. That was never true before. So. Our medical school, with the three campuses, they're graduating more medical doctors than any university in the state of Ohio. So we have a thousand students in, in enrolled in the Heritage Osteopathic Medical School in the College of Health Sciences and Professions.
2: I'm on their advisory
3: board. Yeah, you well, you you yeah. know how much they've grown, right? I mean,
2: Randy Lighty and now uh, John McCarthy. John yeah, McCarthy, right? Both yeah. of
3: them outstanding deans. So that school is roughly 10,000 students. We have one of the largest nursing programs in a four state region. Right. So that's an area where you know, it's shifted on its own. Students have come in and enrolled at OU because they wanna take advantage of those. And that's an area that we will, you know, we will start to you know, identify because it's already true, but we want to you know, promote it as a center of excellence for Ohio University. If somebody's considering going into healthcare, they should be considering Ohio University as one of the schools they look at. So that's, that's the big shift university-wide. Then within different areas, as you're pointing out, Dave, like in, in um, business, you know, one of the, the fastest growing areas we had was data analytics. Mm-hmm. We put in that as a new major, and, and within two years, it became the second largest major. And the fun part about it is it's used as a double major. So students are picking up anything from like marketing, and they know they have to have data data analytics. If somebody goes into sports management, they know they should have data analytics to you know be able to qualify them for the kinds of jobs that exist in in the sports field today. So those are you know constant areas that we have to you know look at developing new curriculum. Cybersecurity is really important today. Um, all of the STEM subjects are going to be important because we're seeing big demands from, you know, the the new employers that are moving in the state, like Intel, as an example. So it's really an exciting time.
2: Okay, so nobody's listening at all. Um, tell me a secret. What is a program you'd love to see come about that you haven't told anybody about? <laughs>
3: That's a tough question. I'm not sure I could identify it.
2: I'm not sure you should identify <laughs> it. Now, just uh, dream a bit. What, what, uh, what do you think, as uh, president of a high university, besides getting back to normal, which you've largely achieved now, uh, what, what would you like to
3: take it, you know, what would you like to achieve next? I, I think it's two things one you know definitely I you know I would like us to be continue to be recognized as as a premier undergraduate school I really believe that that is what we do best and it's it, and it's because of the place and you know it's because of who we are in the place and the culture that we've established so th- that's one and then the second one is you know we we do share a concern um, you know with With the region and and trying to be of assistance and being good partners with the region we do have some issues that you know there's some infrastructure issues that we have to deal with in the region that's which i know that the governor is you know because he was just down here last wednesday to announce the new program and i'm real excited about it because he's talking about major new investments that haven't been made before in water and sewage and broadband so those are kind of absolutely necessary steps that have to be taken and then on top of that we have to work on you know job training and career preparation for you know for our residents in the Appalachian region and we also have to work on you know healthcare.
2: So COVID let's talk about COVID for a
3: bit. I've had it with COVID that's not my favorite topic.
2: That's not mine (laughs) either I understand that but uh, it's still something that needs to be uh, addressed. Come on, phone, hush up. There we go. Um, Come on now. There we go. Sorry about that, folks. Um, It seems to me that the university has done um, all the things they needed to do To prevent COVID from just absolutely decimating the educational experience. Um, And uh, whoever's been in charge of that is probably a group of people. uh, Well done. Um, But, you know, everything is starting to come back to normal. And we hope there's nothing that... um, comes along to change that who who do you want to say well done to
3: yeah I appreciate that so as you said I, I you know this has been a really difficult period for all of us and it's certainly taken a toll on our students right I mean it's you know it's it, all students from K through 12 as well as university students so I'm glad that we're getting out of this so that the students can be, get back to their normal lives. But at the university, we take pride in that, you know, we were able to get 91.6% of our Athens campus vaccinated. And I know that was a struggle, but I that was our objective to try to make sure that we had a safe community and, and we achieved that.
2: Now, let me throw in, our county has 57%. Right, right. Now, uh, which is lower than the state average, I might add. Yeah. But uh, the campus, ninety six percent, ninety one, ninety one. I'm sorry,
3: that's all right. Ninety one point six. But anyway, um, the the this effort for this last you know eighteen months especially, was handled by our public health person, who was Gillian Ice, and she is incredibly dedicated and really lived this. I mean, you know, it, it didn't. She would work ten hours a day, seven days a week, and she was and she put together an incredible team you know to monitor to do the data management to do the testing to do the contact tracing when we were doing that um, that that I really believe strongly helped to keep our community safe
2: I have a granddaughter who is a freshman and she has uh, taken a number of courses via whatever you call it the computer at home sort of thing or at, in the dorm room um, the um, what what do you think the teaching capacity is that way is it is it the same as a classroom
3: well I, th- I think everybody has different opinions about it and there's lots of research that's out there so i think that in some cases you know we can you know if there's interaction that's planned on the remote learning it can be effective but for me personally just representing my own personal fo- viewpoint there's nothing like if I'm the faculty member there's nothing like being in the classroom and having discussions and and even arguments with students about different ideas and sure. it's it, that's what's really fun for me I I think for me personally learning is a social engagement so I'm, I'm still you know that's where i get the sense of of feeling fulfilled is when i'm teaching in a classroom with people
2: i didn't prep you for the next question is there what are some new programs that ohio university is uh, considering or has implemented
3: career-wise well the, the big ones as you you know you can imagine is cybersecurity. Cybersecurity security has become a, a national issue so that's in. Um, it's yeah. going to be a multi-interdisciplinary program out of engineering and I business. I find it
2: so complicated.
3: I do too. I don't know. You
2: know, they, you get things that pop up on your computer yeah. screen saying, "Subscribe to our service will make everything wonderful, keep you protected." It's and yet and yet. I think they're part of the problem. So I I never know who to trust.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, this is a you know, major issue for, for all organizations, right? Yeah. Even the university, we're spending more and more on data security, as well as you know we have insurance policies that we have to buy. Those insurance policies across the country, just out of interest, have gone up you know, a thousand percent because of the, you know, the increasing danger of people being able to get a hold of your data.
2: Well, what what are some other um, areas that you'd like to uh, see come about? And, and, you know, do you ever find yourself saying, um,
3: why hasn't someone else thought of this? I think it's important. No, I think, you know, really what you're looking at, you know, it's how we do this is we're talking to major employers and seeing where the trends are in, in industry. Yes. So, you know, so as we know, artificial intelligence is gonna be the most important revolutionary um, concept that that affects us you know within starting in 2025 so you know people are predicting that 35 percent of the jobs in our country will be transformed as a result of artificial intelligence so we have to prepare our college students today obviously so that they're going to be prepared for those changes that happen in the next five years
2: Randy no is is a good friend of mine and I just I just shake my head i don't know how he keeps his crew on top of everything uh about the computers of our our university and security and all that stuff it's just amazing
3: i agree i mean artificial intelligence for me you know i spend time trying to understand it but i still find it frightening because i don't you know i don't have the knowledge to understand all the ramifications
2: well, once again, I tell you, nobody's listening, so you can tell me a secret. What is a program you would love to see brought
3: about that you haven't mentioned before? I I, I can't think of anything, Dave, honestly. <laughs> you brought that up twice, but I, I don't uh, know what to, how to answer that question.
2: Well, I thought maybe saying it twice would...
3: I can't think it. of anything unconventional. That's,
2: that's, cool. that's <laughs> all right. That's all right what about uh, the physical campus anything major going on
3: yeah um whoops let me so kill we that one. you know so okay killed it we have I mean I think it, it's it would, it would be fun for people in Athens to come see some of the changes that have been made um, we have a brand new chemistry building that we're really proud of with new labs for the research um, our new Heritage medical school building is state of the art it's using the latest technology to be able to, to teach students in multiple campuses and the cameras move to the people who are speaking. It's really something to see. And then the next one that's being done is the new engineering building, which will be um, the old HDL office building is being redone on, on West Union. So those are really exciting um, state-of-the-art classroom buildings. In addition, you know we are spending more money on the, You know just the appearance of the campus so you know this campus is going to really look beautiful in the springtime
2: well it always has but uh thinking that it could look even better that's exciting what um what, what are your plans do you you know you're uh i think as i noted somewhere you were named president for two years um is that um is that considered an interim presidency or would you like to continue would what's what um, of course this is a board
3: decision but uh,
2: what, what's the, what do you sense
3: so uh, when I took the job I I, um, I really wanted to make a difference and and be able to um, have the authority so I didn't think that having the interim title in a one-year period of time would be helpful so um the board agreed with me and so we made it a (coughs) two-year permanent appointment um and then we also made the commitment to the faculty that you know we would we would do of a national search at the end of the two years all
2: right well do you have enough energy to
3: stick around if they
2: lean in your direction
3: I'm I'm not answering that question at this point okay. in time and I, you know, I get it. But, you know, but I, you know, I I I hope uh, you know I'm going to help the board to identify, you know, a national figure that could be president for, you know, for a good length of time. I I really believe that you need to be president of an institution regardless of the institution, but especially one the size of ours, you know, for at least 5 to 8 years. That's where you make an impact. And I, you know, we see that with somebody like you know with the past presidents we've had they've been able to make an impact on the culture and establish some new programs and directions but that that definitely takes more than you know that takes time
2: once again folks our guest has been hugh sherman
3: he is the president
2: of ohio university um hugh i hope we can uh, get back on the path of having this occur every three or four months and um it was great having you here what do you, what's something you think we've left off that might be a good topic to end with we have about two minutes
3: I don't know you've been so thorough it's hard to think of any topic that I can that's all right yeah but I you know it's I do believe like you said Dave that you know it's been a I I can't believe how wonderful it's been to spend my life in Athens, Ohio with this community I mean I'm so grateful that we found it and that we've been able to live here for 25 plus years
2: Yeah. 73 you know, was uh, when I arrived late 73 and then we were gone two years to buy a station over in Norfolk and
3: uh, but then we came right back Yeah so you know I mean you, oh, yeah. you've had 40 years here yeah.
2: Well listen, I keep up the great work. I'm glad you're the president, the Prexy. (laughs) and um, um, I like your staff, many of them are very helpful to us, and um, now Carly, eh, (laughs) she's just so, so, no, I'm kidding, you know that, yeah, all right. Well, she Hugh Sherman, great. thank you for being with us. And What did you say, Scott? She's great.
3: Yeah. Yes, she is. She's an outstanding <laughs> spokesperson for the university. We're having a great conversation.
2: <laughs> <back here>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and, um, and uh, you know, my, my daughter works for u- the university as well, and she thoroughly enjoys her assignments. And, um, and I, I, I'm just... It's great to have... 1804. OH! I <laughs> O! All that stuff. <laughs> and um, so that's, that's going to do it for today. Um, Scott, anything tomorrow? Let's see. We have uh, the mayor tomorrow, don't we? Yes. Okay. So uh, Steve Patterson will be joining us and we'll update you on civ- civic activities and all that sort of thing. Um, let's see here. And next week, we have an interesting show coming up with Svitlana Kalashchenko. She is a Ukrainian woman who lives here in Athens, and she is very involved in Ukrainian. In our 72nd year of serving Tops. Southeast Ohio,
0: AM 970
2: and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H.
0: CBS NEWS ON THE HOUR, PRESENTED BY INDEED.COM.
4: I'M STACY LYNN ON CAPITOL HILL, WHERE LAWMAKERS GREETED UKRAINIAN PRESIDENT Zelensky WITH A STANDING OVATION. RUSSIA HAS Ukraine's TURNED na- THE UKRAINIAN naval. SKY
5: into a source of
4: death he made an emotional appeal to the american people remember
5: september the 11th when evil tried Resolution. to turn your cities in battlefield innocent people were attacked
4: he pleaded for a no-fly zone and warplanes to help in their fight he played a very graphic video showing the destruction devastation and death
0: i'm steve futterman at the poland ukraine border as the russia ukraine peace talks continue there are some potentially encouraging signs today russia's very influential foreign minister sergey lavrov said there is some hope in reaching a compromise part of any compromise could include a ukraine commitment not to join nato last night president Zelensky indicated he accepts the fact that his country is not going to be part of any nato alliance now with more cbs news here's linda kenyon
5: relatives of the more than two dozen people who died of COVID in an Illinois veterans home are suing. As the COVID lockdown kicked in two years ago this month, the disease eventually started spreading through the LaSalle, Illinois veterans home. 26 of the 27 veterans now listed in lawsuits died. The suits allege residents and staff who tested positive in the facility were not isolated. The daughter of one veteran saying they could have done better. A state inspector general's report found the deaths could have been prevented. CBS's Jennifer Kuiper in Chicago. It's another lawsuit over police actions. Here's CBS's Jim Crisula.
3: A black man who sued the Independence, Missouri Police Department and several officers says police dash cam video supports his contention that he was racially profiled. 37-year-old Justin Layton was stopped for jaywalking in early 2020 and beaten by officers. He also says they repeatedly called him a racial slur.
5: Starbucks and the National Labor Relations Board remain at odds.
3: The agency alleges the company put supporters of unionizing efforts under surveillance and retaliated against them. The NLRB complaint filed yesterday says Starbucks has been interfering with, restraining and coercing employees who are trying to unionize stores. The company calls the allegations categorically false.
5: CBS's Christopher Cruz. Retail sales are up slightly. The Commerce Department says Americans slowed their spending in February as prices for food, gasoline, and just about everything else started to climb. Retail sales increased to just 0.3% after a 4.9% jump in December to January. January's increase, the biggest jump since last March. This is CBS News.
0: If cold winter calls have turned into warm spring leads, you need indeed the all-in-one platform to interview, screen and hire quality people. Visit indeed.com/credit. Hi there, I'm Stephen Colbert, host of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert featuring me, Steve Colbert. Do you love television but hate the visuals? Do you wish you could get the freshest topical comedy one day later? Do you have one or more ears? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you're going to love our new podcast, The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert on Spotify, Blufi, or wherever you get your podlings
5: let's face it the pandemic has forced so many of us to reexamine all parts of our lives and the only one that I'm actually qualified to help you with is your personal finances I'm Jill Schlesinger CBS News business analyst I'm also a certified financial planner and I'm psyched because I have a new podcast it's called eye on money I'm going to field your questions and help you get where you want to go follow CBS audios eye on money with me Jill Schlesinger on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts she was just 23 when she was killed, but Selena was a powerhouse in the music scene, and now she has some new music. Nearly three decades
0: after her death, the father of the late Selena says a new album will come out next month. The twist, there will be her recordings for when she was 13 years old, digitally updated by her brother to sound as if she was 23. That is the age Selena was before she was killed in
2: 1995.
0: March 31st marks
5: the 27th anniversary of Selena's death. Matt Piper, CBS News. Selena has more than 6 million listeners each month on Spotify. Kane Brown is the leading nominee for the 2022 CMT Music Awards, which celebrates the best in country music's videos. The Brown now has four nominations for the fan-voted awards show. Linda Kenyon,
0: CBS News. Guys, stop putting your love life on hold. U.S. Pharmacy has some exciting news. If you've been wanting to try Viagra or Cialis, now's the perfect time. Call today and receive 90 little blue or little yellow pills for only 119 with free shipping. Why order some low-dose sildenafil from one of those subscription services when we can give you what you want now? Call 800-711-6818 and we'll rush your order discreetly packaged to your door. Been thinking about trying Viagra or Cialis? Call U.S. Pharmacy at 800-711-6818 for as little as only 119 for 90 pills. Need your package in a hurry? Call 800-711-6818 and ask about our express shipping option and we'll rush your order to you as soon as possible. Save money on this little blue or yellow pill you've been wanting to try. Again, 800-711-6818 now. That's 800-711-6818. Classic Kids Night 70
1: From 970 WATH Studios, it is Make It Happen time with Kim Valentore and Ruth Dudding, And they're going to be welcoming in a special guest today to talk about AmeriCorps. Ward Bryson will be with us today. So we welcome them all in. And to tell you how much fun it is to talk to these wonderful ladies, Kim and I were just gabbing away before we went on the air here and I wasn't even paying attention to the time. And that's how fun it is to talk to these two wonderful ladies. So, with that, <laughs> I'm going to give the sunshine reference to you all once again. Great work on the sunshine this morning.
4: We're working hard overtime.
1: <laughs> and it shows, let me tell you. <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you in this morning and uh it is time for make it happen. Here on 970 WET, speaking of sunshine, uh we've got that bright, beautiful, brilliant, glorious sunshine. How about that? Could throw another superlative or two in there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh 45 You're the pro degrees. There. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what happens sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so with that, we welcome in uh Kim and Ruth. And uh, we're going to talk about AmeriCorps today, right?
4: That's right. That's right. We are going to talk about AmeriCorps. You know, we've actually spoken about this subject in the past, um, but it's been quite a while. And we thought, one, AmeriCorps is a fabulous and a very important and critical program to our community. But also, we want to make sure that the locals here realize that, you know, it doesn't matter that we've had a pandemic going on. (laughs) We have had AmeriCorps on the ground, hard at work, um, harder than ever in many cases. And so to help celebrate AmeriCorps week, which we are in the midst of the week, um, we thought that talking about it on the radio, inviting Ward in, because Ward is an AmeriCorps member, um, would really be able to highlight some of the local some of the wonderful things that's happening. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited. And um, Ward happens to serve with the health department, so I'm glad that they're able to come and join us today because Ward is an excellent service member and has done so much. And we've we've had AmeriCorps members for about 22 years, 21 years. And and they've really been instrumental in helping the health department extend their reach into the community.